You're listening to David Kaplan. Weekdays 9 to noon on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN This is Kaplan Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Happy 4th of July to you and your family. I'm Jonathan Hood in for Cap today with open phone lines for you. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is a telephone number. Hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood. You follow me on Snapchat. I will follow you back, guaranteed. Also on Instagram, IGJHood. We will hear from a three-time NBA champion, Stacey King, from the Bulls broadcast team coming up this half hour here on ESPN 1000. And... The Cubs and the White Sox, here we are on the 4th of July, and the Cubs are 45 and 42. The White Sox have been playing good baseball as of late as well. We're going to review both here as we take a look at the Cubs first. So, since May 27th, the Cubs have had the worst record on the road, 4 and 15. They are walking with Giants in Major League Baseball this season in that regard. The Orioles are 4-12. and The Blue Jays are 5-13. and The Cubs have lost six straight road series because they've lost this now to the Pittsburgh Pirates. I watched that game yesterday while we were doing our show on the Hood Weeknights here on ESPN 1000. And it was a game where the Cubs should have been able to win this game, but it was just the little things. The little things are the things that got the Cubs to win 97 games, 103 games, 92 games, 95 games, the last four years. But the little things are creeping up on this ball club that's 45 and 42. I, I, it's some things I it's still, I'm scratching my head about what was going through the mind of the second baseman, Addison Russell, yesterday. Runner coming down to third base, and Russell, instead of going to first, he goes to the plate. The game is tied, the game ex- is extended, and the Cubs lose the game 6 to 5. It was uh, a head scratcher yesterday. Cubs are 16 and 26 on the road. They're flat. I do not see a path to the Cubs being a playoff contender of any sort. If they make the playoffs at this point, it seems like it's a miracle. It's not hyperbole, by the way. It's just because of the way the Cubs have played. You notice that when you watch Cubs baseball over the years under Joe Madden, There's a sharpness to it where the defense is tight and they have timely hitting and all these things. I still believe in the core of Baez and Bryant and Rizzo and Hayward and Contreras and some of these others on this roster. But when you are underachieving at 45 and 42 at this point, you check all the boxes. It's everybody. It starts with Theo and Jed. And and by the way, I will not look at the Cubs and believe they're a La Stella away, they're a Grandpa Ross away. It's just that all the arrows and all the people pointing at the hitting coach or the pitching coach or all these other things, it's on these players to be able to execute. But it's also on Theo and Jed to be able to supply enough talent to have depth of the roster for Joe Madden to use. Madden will be the scapegoat for this. He is dancing for his dinner right now because he doesn't have a new contract. Theo does not believe in what's going on with this organization. He's already said on the flagship the other day, that there's going to be massive changes if things don't turn around. Well, those changes have to happen with his office first as far as trying to supply this team with other talent. I have no shot at Caratini uh, or Bodie or Al Mora or some of these other players on this roster, but when you needed a closer, you went to Kimbrell in June. When you needed a closer to start the season in April, 
Kimbrell's out there and he struggled. And Kimbrell, to me, when I watched him, that looked like Kimbrell in March. That looked like Kimbrell in April. And, and so I'm thinking that maybe he turns around in April or uh, in uh, August or September, but I just don't see it. He did not have a lot of zip on that fastball yesterday watching his game against the Pirates yesterday as the Cubs lost 6-5. to five. Some thoughts from Craig Kimbrell. He says, I just didn't execute. I mean, I still had opportunities to make pitches. I didn't run football and play. When obviously, in that situation, I'm trying to get him to miss the bat, uh, miss the bat and not put it in play. So, um, yeah, in, in that sense, I didn't I didn't execute there, you know. See from Craig Kimbrell. He does not look sharp at all. Cubs are now 12-15 and 15 in one-run games after losing against the Pirates yesterday. It doesn't mean that the season's lost, but here's the thing. They're trying to make Pakoda right. You know, Pakoda had that number out there that the Cubs are going to only win 79 ball games. Everybody laughed. Cubs are not going to win just 79. I mean, it's getting close. Is it not? It's getting close. Pakoda had the, the team at third place in 79 wins or, or whatever. Like, wow, you know, this talent's much better than that. But Pakoda, the computer saw something different. This team's underachieving. Anytime that you are playing three catchers at one point, that's really bad. And that's what we saw in the lineup yesterday. Contreras playing right field, had a one great defensive play to gun down a runner. But then on the other side, there he is running to, down the right field line, trying to catch a ball. He got there in time, but couldn't catch the ball. Again, that helped open the floodgates for the Pirates yesterday. So that, I mean, I just, I, it's, a, it's a head scratcher because it's the little things now that's starting to eat this team alive. Madden has his meeting, and the Cubs get beat down in the series against the Pirates. So I I don't know how this turns around. And again, I don't see a path for Madden to return or for this team to have any kind of playoff push based on how they played. Glad you're with me here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Let me get to the White Sox, too. The White Sox, they swept the doubleheader against the uh, Tigers yesterday. And as a Sox fan, as I watch this team, I, I just want a little glimpse of the future. Just a little bit of a glimpse into what the future could bring to the White Sox. It happened for the Cubs. It happened for the Astros. It's happened for teams that have bottomed out and tried to make their way back up. Atlanta's going through that right now where you just want to see the young talent manifest. You want to see it grow. And so watching Dylan Cease uh, really helped me out. Really enjoyed that as a Sox fan because Cease, five innings pitched, Six strikeouts yesterday. His fastball was strong, but it's not controlled yet. I mean, he can get up there to 97, 98, 99, 100 miles an hour, which is great. But he doesn't have control of it yet, but he's a young pitcher. But that curveball, that curveball, though, pretty strong. I really liked what I saw there. That seemed like his his out pitch yesterday. He had that circle change working a little bit. At least it had a circle change look to that curveball. But I, I like what I saw there. That's encouraging. The Sox won the first game, and then the second game, that's when the fireworks started. There was no home runs for the Sox in the first game. Second game, though, oh, yes. Moncada with two home runs, including the home run to tie the game. Jose Abreu with his 20th home run. What you're looking for is just a glimpse of the future. And in not making any guarantees or any of these, this, these statements that the Sox are a playoff team and all that kind of thing. But what you want to see is improvement, and you want to see growth. And for me... As I can't wait for Bourbon A or NFL training camps to start, I'm just looking for interesting from the Cubs and White Sox. Something interesting for us to watch. Some thoughts from Jeff Passan, who was on Waddle and Sylvie. He was talking about Dylan Cease and his outing and how the young core 
could be contenders for years to come. I think that he's going to be a big part of this rotation going forward. And I like the fact that in this year when the White Sox are, are really accelerating the rebuild, I know they're, you know, they're going to be a couple games under 500 if they can lock this thing down. And in all likelihood, they're going to be selling at the deadline. You know, I think Alex Colome is probably going to be on the move. You could see a couple other pieces here and there. But I, I think the fact that they've gotten some, some really good steps forward from Yohan Moncada uh, and, and Tim Anderson and Lucas Giolito and that we're seeing Dylan Cease here now, you, you're beginning to understand what the core is going to look like. And the core, to be honest, looks actually pretty darn good. Like, the, you know, someone a couple days ago was asking me, since the Cubs and the Astros, who has actually done a decent job of the full-fledged tear down and build it back up? And my answer was the White Sox. Uh, they they look like they're going to be in a position to be contending in the American League Central for a long time to come with this core that they've got in place. The Chicago White Sox. How about that? That's right. Jeff Passan from Wadland Sylvie uh, talking about um, what we can expect from the White Sox in that core, with it being Moncada and Abreu and McCann and, um, and uh, Eloy and Sanchez, Collins, Cease, Gilito, Ryan Cordell, some others as well. You're just looking for a core. And that, you know, you're just trying to find out who are your cornerstones for the franchise as you move forward. John the Hood in for David Kaplan on Kaplan Company here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app, this portion of which is brought to you by Twin Peaks, the ultimate sports lodge. Twin Peaks Full Service Bar features an extensive selection of drafts served at 29 degrees and ice-cold mugs. Head for Twin Peaks Eats, Drinks, Scenic Views. I'm with you until noon, then Murph and Fred will be in for Carmen and Yurko here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We turn now to a three-time NBA champion. Color analyst for the Chicago Bulls. It is the great Stacy King, and Stacy joins me here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app here on Captain Company. Stacy, as always, I appreciate your time. I've been reading your Twitter at Stacy21King. There's a lot of trolls coming after you about the choices that the uh, Bulls have made here in free agency. Uh, what are your thoughts on what the Bulls have done and, and the people coming after you on social media? Well, I mean, you know, just speaking to fans and, and you know, dealing with fans on Twitter, you know, everybody wants to get the superstar player. Everybody wants to get Kevin Durant. Everybody wants to get Steph Curry. You know, you want to get these guys. You know, they want their team, which the Bulls, to be able to be in play to get those guys. But unfortunately, you know, you, you've got to, you know, you've got to rebuild and, and get the key pieces to go along with those kind of guys. But for those guys even consider coming to play in Chicago, you, we've got a nice, you know, you know, young nucleus of players that the Bulls in the front office has put together. They go out and get a Santa Rasky, who I think is, is going to surprise a lot of people. Six foot seven point guard can play three positions. He's athletic. Uh, I've had opportunity to see him play the last three years in Washington, and I've always liked the kid. I mean, he's filled in for John Wayne. Uh, then you get a you know you get a guy like Thaddeus Young, who's a pro's pro. I mean, this kid, wherever he goes, you know, he he just makes the team better, and he's good in the locker room. He leads by example, and he's a guy who not only can show younger players how to be professional uh, because we need that, but this is a guy who still can get it done on the court and get you eighteen, twenty points a game. Uh, from that stretch four position. So these are great pickups. Bulls are going in the right direction. I know fans are getting frustrated because they feel like, 
you know, we, you know, the Bulls should do better. They could do better. But unfortunately, man, you know, you have to take, you know, you have to crawl before you walk, Jay Hood. And I think a lot of people want to start running, and that's not how it works in the NBA. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I, I talked to John Paxson on draft night about a number of things I want to ask you about. And that's one of the things I asked him about is is playing with pace. I understand that there's a lot of injuries and there was a lot of uh, Windy City Bulls on the team toward the end of the season. So whatever Boylan was trying to run, he, he could not run it the way maybe he didn't he wanted to. However, as we see the NBA today, you must play with pace. And I, and I asked him, is there going to be a little bit more pace? John said there were some players that not, were not willing to get up and down the floor the way they wanted them to. I'm wondering, with some of these new-look Bulls, could we see the Bulls play with a little bit more pace, especially with Kobe White in the mix? Yeah, I, I don't think you draft a Kobe White from North Carolina if you don't plan to play fast. I mean, that's his game. I mean, you saw him in North Carolina the one year that he played for Roy Williams, and Roy Williams is a fast-paced coach. He's always been that way, so... I don't think you draft Kobe White to be your, your point guard in the future if you don't anticipate you're going to play fast. You got look at look at your roster. I mean, you got Zach Levine, athlete. You know, you've got Larry Marklin, seven footer, athlete. Wendell Carter Jr., athlete. You know, you've got a ton of athletes on there. Sandaransky, athlete. So you've got guys now that that should not be a problem. You should be able to get up and down the floor. You should be able to play faster. Uh, and I think they will. I think they've got the pieces now to to play fast, to compete at a high level. And what I've said, you know, all along with this team is that they can avoid injury. You know, that's been the biggest problem with this team the last few years is losing key players to injuries early and, and getting behind the eight ball and having to fight their way back uphill. So if they can stay healthy, um, you know, I, I expect them to make the playoffs. I'm, I'm one of the few people who think they can make the playoffs. I, I could see them winning 20 or more games uh, than they did last year to put themselves in that 40, 42 range and then have an opportunity to uh, you know, compete for the playoffs. And, and with the roster that they have, legitimately make some noise because if you really look at the Eastern Conference, it's gotten better. But Boston is not the same team. You know, they've, they're going to take a step back. And if, if Toronto doesn't get Kawhi Leonard back, they take a huge step back. They'll still be good, um, but they're not going to be that the team that they were this year. You lose a Kawhi Leonard, you lose like losing three people. So uh, the, 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 the top of the class, you got Milwaukee. Um, I think Philadelphia, with their moves they made, is, is really good. Um, you know, and I, th- I think you know um, Milwaukee is, to me is the is the, the team to watch out for because I think if Giannis comes back and he finds a jump shot and, and, and can pass better, I think they they could be the team to beat. Stacy King, Bulls color analyst with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app, also asked John about uh, load management, which is a buzzword around the NBA. I'm old school, but I'm uh, but I'm modern enough to understand that load management is a thing where you want to be able to rest some players so that way they're ready for a playoff stretch. Um, John says that he is looking seriously into this Bulls team being more active with load management. And it's a, what's so funny about that is it, I asked him, I said, well, you have, you have the youngest team in the league. Are you really looking into load management? He said, it's something that we're definitely looking into. Uh, could you imagine healthy players sitting out on, on this team to avoid injuries? Well, I mean, this is the way the new NBA is. You know, I'm old school. You know, we, we played every game, and there was no load management when I played. But, you know, this is a new generation of players. This is a new way of thinking in the NBA is they feel that, 
you know, almost every team feels that, you know, if they can monitor how many games a guy plays during the year, uh, that they'll be fresh towards the end. And, you know, I, I look at that as being, you know, to me, um, you know, they're, they're going to fall in line with what everybody else is doing. And, and with that said, you know, I don't think the injuries that they had, these are all freak injuries. These weren't injuries that they, they did, some of these guys did where they were actually playing. These were preseason injuries, you know, missing Larry, Larry marketing with the elbow injury early in training camp. You know, those are, those are things that happen, freak injury type of things. You can't guard against those things. You know, you know Denzel Valentine having ankle injuries that, you know, just really didn't heal right and having to be out the whole season due to surgery. These are things that, you know, really had nothing to do with load management. But I understand what, you know, what this league is all about and what they're doing. I'm not a big fan of it, you know, especially when you're trying to develop teams and you're developing culture here. If you got a playoff team and you've got guys on your team that are in their 30s, I could see the load management, LeBron James, you know, the guys like that who walk heavy minutes. I could see that. Kawhi Leonard, I could see that. But, you know, me seeing all these young kids that are in their 20s and you're asking them the load management, you know, I mean, think about if you're, your parents who work a 9 to 5 and they got load management. I'm sure they want load management as well. Uh, yeah, of, of course, absolutely. I know. I know. My people wish they had some load management away from me. I, I know for a my few mom days. and dad wish they had load management. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of what ifs when it comes to Kawhi Leonard because I've been saying on the air, Stacy, that he holds the keys uh, to free agency. He's he's the guy that hasn't made his decision just as of yet. Um, so, what if? Kawhi Leonard goes back to the Raptors, then how do you look at the Raptors in the East? Can they repeat if he comes back? Oh, I think they definitely can repeat. I mean, they, they've got a good enough team to, to to do that. I mean, he brings so much to that team. I mean, that was a totally different team, and they had basically the same players with the exception of him and Marcus Gasol. So, you know, they're bringing that t- same team back. And, you know, that team would be that team would be tough to beat. Um you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I've said all along that even if they won, that you know, his mindset was he wanted to go back home to California. And, you know, I think you've heard his uncle talk, people in his circle talk. You haven't heard actually Kawhi talk, but you've heard people in his inner circle say that. And now, you know, the Lakers, who they said he, he'd never play for, um, now he's, you know, being interviewed by them along with the Clippers. So if you're Toronto, you know, what's plan B if he doesn't come back? Because if you lose him... You know, you go you go from being the favorite to now maybe in the middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. If that, that's and tough. That's tough to swallow. So, if, if he goes to the Lakers, where are the Lakers with Anthony Davis and LeBron and Kyle Kuzma? Well, if he goes to the Lakers, they're, they're, they have to be the favorite. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, you got now arguably you've got three of the top five players on the same team. I mean, that's. I mean, that, that would be more devastating than what Golden State did. I mean, you're, you're talking about generational talents. You've got, you know, you've got, you know, a, uh, Anthony Davis generational talent, 25 years old. You know, you've got Kawhi Leonard, who, who has won championship teams and won championships on not superstar-laden teams. You know, he's been the MVP of, of two teams that were, you know, that were middle-of-the-pack type teams. San Antonio was pretty good, but their stars were aging when he won. But he still carried two teams, so... You know, you put him on that team with LeBron and, and, and Anthony Davis, and then you just sprinkle in some other players around them. I mean, they have to be the favorite. I mean, they have to be even more. That might be even more devastating lineup than what you saw at Golden State the last five years. What about Doc and the Clippers, baby? 
What if Kawhi goes to the Clippers? Because uh, that's also an option, baby. What about the Clippers? Well, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you. He could do the same thing that he did in Toronto. He could elevate that team because you think about what Doc had. You know, Doc. Doc put a team together that really, really meshed well. There was chemistry there. Lou Williams, the sixth man of the year. They were a hard grinding team. They kind of reminded me of the Eastern Easter Conference team back in the eighties. They just defended hard. They played physical. Um, you know, you had a guy like Kawhi Leonard to that lineup with what they already have. That elevates them to easily be in a top two or three team in the Western Conference. Stacey King joins me, Jonathan Hood, on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I have loved this offseason so much because the NFL can't touch it. Major League Baseball can't touch it. There's nothing like the offseason as far as the free agency frenzy that we saw. I... I, there's so many stories, but I think the number one thing I look at is Kevin Durant making his decision to go to, to Brooklyn. That says all you need to know about the Knicks. That says all you need to know about KD Remove, removing himself from a championship situation, getting away from Golden State, saying, I'm going to you know, plant my flag here in Brooklyn and bring uh, Kyrie Irving with me. What are your thoughts on that story? Well, I mean, it's really sad because, you know, I mean, Kevin Durant is, is one of the best players in the game. And, you know, you ask yourself, you know, what do guys play for? Okay, what, what are you playing for? You know, you know you're one of the best players in the NBA. You're already getting the money. You're going to get the most money playing for Golden State. And then on top of that, you got a chance to be considered one of the greatest teams ever to play if you stay on that roster with those guys that he's on there with. you got two of the best shooters of all time on the same team. They're unselfish. No one cares you know, who, who's the star. But I think Kevin Durant cares who, who the star was. I, I think you know, he, he didn't want to share the limelight with, with the rest of these guys. I mean, he, I've heard where he said you know, he wasn't happy because everybody, this is Steph Curry's team. And, you know, let me ask yourself, you know, hoodies like you know what do you want i mean you're winning rings you're getting the most money you can get you're getting max dollars you're getting paid like a superstar uh, you got a new arena you got a fan base that's rabid i mean what do you want most guys say hey you know what i'm trying to win a ring later in my career he's not even he hasn't even reached his, he's in his prime right now and he's going to be coming off a devastating injury and you think to yourself golden state's a perfect situation for him because they wouldn't rush him to come back and then if he let's say he set out the whole year and he comes back, he doesn't have to put all that scoring load on his shoulders. He doesn't have to be the Kevin Durant that we have seen over the last five years right away. He can come back at his own pace and let somebody else take the scoring load from him. But when you go to that Brooklyn team, you know, by the time you come back, Kyrie Irving has already just basically put a flag in it's his team. So you're right back in that same situation, I think, that you were when you were in Oklahoma City with Russell Westbrook, where you both are taking turns scoring, and you know you realize that hey, you know this guy, you know, I can't play with this guy, and you're gonna, I, I think you're gonna find the same thing where, where Kyrie Irving is. They're gonna have problems because both of them want to be the alpha dog, both of them want to be the number one guy, and if you're not willing to share like Golden State was, because Steph Curry, and those guys didn't care if if Kevin Durant was number one, if he was the MVP, they didn't care. They're about winning. It's about winning rings, and that's what they committed to. So I I think he's going to have a hard time out in Brooklyn. I just don't understand. Here's the thing. I love him. You love him. A great basketball player, but he's such a brooding athlete. Stacey, I, I don't know what makes him happy. I mean, even winning a couple of championships with Golden State, being MVP, man, you respect it. Many look at, Kawhi, at at KD as the best player in the NBA. You can make the argument, 
but the, but the point is like all this stuff and still seemingly unhappy i don't know what makes him happy <laughs> i wish i mean i mean it, and it's not respect everybody respects him and he's he, he's well, so concerned with the twitter egg on, on the guy on twitter yeah. or the guy on instagram like that those those people don't matter well, I, I, get I, it, think, I think a lot of it, though, Jay Hood, is, is that he's very sensitive. He's got rabbit ears. He hears everything that everybody says about him. He reads everything. I mean, when you got to create a burner account to attack fans and go back to fans, <laughs> that tells that tells you a little bit about him. That he not saying that he's not a good kid because he is a good kid. I, I, I mean, he's a really, really good kid. He's a great player. But you know, like I said, you know, they always say you know lions don't care the opinions of sheep. But he does. I mean, you know, if you're on top of the mountaintop and people are your detractors are both beneath you, you know, you don't really care about what they say. As long as your teammates in that locker room care about you, your family knows who you are as a person, and people that are close to you know who you are as a person. Who cares what, you know, tr- uh, Twitter trolls ca- uh, care about? Who cares what they think? It's not, it's not important. You know, as long as you, as long as you know the people around you and your teammates, your inner circle, the people that matter, how they feel about you, that's all that matters. And I think he worries about what everybody's, you know, what everybody says about him, what they think. I mean, when you can, when you, like I said, when you, when you create a burner account and you go back and you're going at fans through the burner account, I mean, come on, man. That's, that, that tells you a little bit about that, that type of situation. All right, Stacey, what, what's the spread for, for the 4th of July? Uh, what, what happens now at the King household? <sighs> Man, you know what? I'm going on a boat, man. I'm going on a boat with one of my boys, mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to celebrate out there at Lake Geneva and uh, kick it out there. Some little fireworks and some some uh, grown folk drinks, and, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw on some suntan lotion because, you know, I, you know, I'll be out there melting like Frosty the Snowman in Vegas. <laughs> it's been hot. It's been hot these last four or five days. I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Boy, I thought I was in Vegas. This is terrible. I, mean, I love Chicago, but this weather, one day it's snowing, next day it's 85 degrees and humid. <laughs> so you got your beach body ready for the fourth. It's all ready oh, to go. Oh, yeah, right? baby. I told you. I told you I was going to be ready. I told you I was going to be ready. If I'm ready, I'm not going to be wearing no Speedo or anything like that, but uh, I'm ready. <laughs> I saw your man Funk, by the way, on draft day. He looks good. He's ready yeah, to go. Yeah, he does. He does, man. I, I, I talked to him a couple of days ago. Uh, he's doing very, very good. He's enjoying his summer. He's uh, traveling with his wife Renee. Uh, matter of fact, he was just getting ready to go to Tahoe uh, when I talked to him. So he, you know, he, he's, he's a traveling man. man. He's like, where's Waldo? It's like, where's Funk? You don't never know where he's at. He's gone somewhere every time. He's golfing in South Carolina. He's taking twenty-one day cruises all over the place. You know, you got to just, you just got to catch him. You got to be lucky to catch him. It's like Lucky Charms, little Lucky Charms guy. You just got to be lucky to catch him. <laughs> All right, man. Oh, th- the story came across about Wendell Carter Jr. He's going to undergo a procedure on July 9th to repair a core muscle injury. They're going to need him. There's no more Lopez. The Lopez brothers are together, two head monsters. So I look forward to seeing what Wendell can do in the middle. You know what? I'm I'm really anxious to see. Cause I thought I kind of thought he got robbed when it came to the you know all rookie teams this year. I, I thought he did enough in the games that he played to solidify a position on there. But I'm really I'm really looking forward to his second year. I think he's gonna bust out. Um, again, we've got so much young talent and you just want if you're Bulls fans, you just you just gotta be I know you hear patience and I know they get tired of hearing that. But in order to get to where this team needs to go, you know, look at Toronto. I mean Toronto developed their young players, you know, the highest the highest pick they had was fifteenth and that was Kawhi Leonard. 
and everybody else was more than that. And it took a couple of years to develop, and then you get lucky to get a superstar. And I, I keep telling people, you know, stars will come. You know, they need to see that the Bulls' young players are legit. They need to see, like, these guys are really, really good. This is a good young core. And, you know, I could see a star saying, hey, you know what? Chicago's a great city. they got a great fan base. It's a big market. And these kids can play. So I want to come play. So I think in a couple of years, if they can keep doing it the way they're doing, build through the draft, they're, they're going to be right there in the mix. Because look at Brooklyn. You know, Brooklyn, Brooklyn is, 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 you know, doesn't have, in my opinion, doesn't have as much talent as the Bulls have. You know, and, I, and they were able to get a star. The reason why they were able to get a star is because they improved. They improved. Their front office did a great job of putting guys on the floor, uh, uh, high-energy guys, high-character guys, and they look at you guys. You got two guys that want to play there, and, and I think the Bulls could be in that position in a couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I've, I've said this on the air. You cannot evaluate players that don't play because of injury. I need to see these guys on the floor playing so we can find out how good they can be. I know what they are, I can, but I don't know what they can be when they exactly. are not, when they're when they always hurt. I don't know what they are, so that's that's the whole but thing. The good so. thing, the good thing, Jay Hood, is when you look at you look at the base because I always say in order to build a team towards a championship team, you've got to have a core group. Okay, mm-hmm. you've got to have like six or seven guys. That's what made our championship team so good is that you know, Jerry Krause never got the credit he deserved. I mean, he took a lot of criticism, but the one thing he was really smart at and the one thing that he did that I thought better than anybody during that time was he recognized who his seven guys were. He, he recognized who his seven guys were, and then he built around those seven guys, and he went out and got guys that were specialty guys, guys that could fill multiple roles, guys that could play multiple positions, three-point shooters, and that's the model you have to do to, to be to have to have success in the NBA. You've got to have look at this young core that we've got. I mean, you've got two budding all stars in Levine and and Larry Markin that have a chance to be all stars. And I don't know when they're going to be all stars, but they have a chance, and that potential is there. You just have to you have to develop that potential. I think if Zach's going to make the all star team, he's got to be a, a two way player. He's got to play defense. And if I'm Jim Boylan. That's the one thing I'm telling him. The one thing that's keeping you off an all-star team or even being recognized as being an elite player in this league is you've got to play defense. You've got to step it up, and you've got to go out there and compete on both ends. And if you do that, you're looking at being a, a, a perennial all-star. And then same thing with Lowry. You know, stay healthy. Stay healthy. You know, you got to battle through blue injuries, but stay healthy. If you stay healthy and you put up the numbers that you do when you're healthy – you're a pretty all-star. Mm-hmm. But we got some We got some stuff. Listen, the cupboard is not bare. The cupboard is not bare. We got a lot in the cupboard. And I like I like what they did during the offseason. I know fans are you know, a, little, a little distracted a little bit by it because we didn't get any big-name players. But I'm going to tell you something. You got to crawl before you walk. And if they can come out and win 20 more games this year, uh, more than they did last year, that's a successful season. They make it to the playoffs, that's great. I know people say, well, why do you want to play to the AC? Hey, let me tell you something. I'd rather be the AC than being in the playoffs in April than sit my butt at home watching it on TV. And I think yeah. if you ask any player in that locker room, they'll tell you the same thing. If it's eight or one, as long as they're in the playoffs. And that's a start. you got to build on something, and I think this year they will. Stacey, I'm glad you spent some time, man. Enjoy your holiday. Hey, you too, Jay Hood. You know what? You're still the best in the business, baby. You're the only one <laughs> that can get me on the radio in the summertime when I should be out here sunbathing and tanning. <laughs>
You're the only person to do that. So I'm just going to throw that out to you. You're my man. Every time you call me, you go straight to voicemail. When I answer your call, because we go back a long way. We tighter, we tighter than the spandex on a sumo wrestler, boy. <laughs> that's tight. That's tight. That is tight. Yes, it is. That's skin tight. <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right, Stacey King for the Bulls color analyst with me, Jonathan Hood, right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You don't see just how wild the crowd is. You don't see just how fly my style is. Jonathan Hood. I don't see why I need a stylist when I shot so much I can speak Italian. On ESPN 1000. You're listening to David Kaplan. Weekdays 9 to noon on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Hope that you're having a great 4th of July. Jonathan Hood in for David Kaplan on Kaplan Company here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood. You follow me on Snapchat, I will follow you back, guaranteed. Also on Instagram, IGJHood. Coming up at the top of the hour, it is Murph and Fred in for Carmen and Yurko right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm checking out uh, at ESPN 1000 on Twitter. Oh, they got some good stuff. I'm not going to reveal it. I won't spoil it, but boy, you're going to have to listen at noon. They've really got some thought-provoking questions for you regarding what is going on in Chicago sports. Won't spoil it, but you check it out at ESPN 1000. They got some poll questions ready for you at the top of the hour right here on ESPN 1000. So we heard from Stacey King regarding uh, the Bulls and NBA free agency. I will tell you this, that when it comes to the Bulls and the choices of picking up Sadoransky and Thaddeus Young, amongst a few others. You know, I, I really thought that the Bulls would be able to get themselves another guard. Now, Sadoransky could play three positions, and I know they can shoot the ball well, so that's not a surprise. I watched him in Washington, so I know that he is he's a player, but I don't know what his ceiling is. Has he reached his ceiling as a ball player? There's a lot of potential, but you see... To me, when you're trying to build towards something, it's not about potential as much as it is, hey, this is a guy that can help us knock down shots from three. You watch basketball like I watch basketball. You know it's about the three-point shot. You know, for the Houston Rockets, it's about layups and threes. So you know how the game has changed, that you want to be able to have pace and space, and you also want to play with pace as well. If you watch the Bulls last year, I can say because of the injuries that the Bulls suffered, that Jim Boylan kind of just gave us a 1990s style of basketball where you saw the ball dumped down low to Robin Lopez. I'm like, what is this? And they did not play with pace, and I understand they didn't have all their players, but that's the point. On draft night, I was working with Chris Black, and we were doing the draft show at the Advocate Center in Chicago, and John Paxson told Chris and I that they are seriously looking into uh, load management with some of their players in that they, there might be a healthy Zach Levine. There might be a healthy you know, Wendell Carter Jr. or some of these other young players on this roster. And they're going to be sitting out because of load management. And, and I understand that everybody can't play 82 games like it was back in the day. I, they should. But because there's such a, a amount of injuries that are happening in the NBA, that they, there's load management. And the Bulls are going to consider that when I talk to John Paxson on draft night, which is very compelling. The biggest issue for me watching the Bulls is can they stay healthy? I can't evaluate something that's not playing. I Like Laurie Markkinen, with him being on the sidelines, or Zach Levine or some of these other players, I don't know what they are unless they're healthy and up, up and down the floor to find out whether or not the core is good enough or not. 
I also will say that when it comes to the Bulls, this whole thing that well, we'll only focus on our core and we believe our core can be able to get it done. You can push that. And the reason why that John and Gar have to do that is because uh, they will be cash strapped. They, they won't be able to get quality or middle of the barrel free agents next year because of their financial constraints that they have. The Auto Porter Jr. deal has hamstrung this team to the point where they can't get themselves an A-list, B-list, or C-list free agents. That's why they have to make trades and do little moves to try to fill out a roster. It's really too bad because it really is about Auto Porter Jr. and, and this core of this Bulls team because they don't have the money to be able to move forward because of how much money that they took on with the Otto Porter Jr. deal. Let's keep our eyes on that because if this core doesn't work, then how many more rebuilds do you get to try to rebuild this thing, to try to get this thing into the top eight in the East? They did not like the idea of being seventh or eighth in the East because that's what they were with Jimmy Butler. That's why they leveled this thing. And then they paid through the nose for Zach Levine. And then now the Otto Porter Jr. deal. Okay. So if this is not good enough to be a top five team in the East, what is? Cap and Company, Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Also, with free agency, we're trying to figure out where is Kawhi Leonard going? As I mentioned to you before on this program, I think that Kawhi Leonard, based on, again, you can read reports, I can get text messages, I can get theories. I have a feeling that from everything that I've gleaned that Kawhi Leonard is going to go back to Toronto for maybe a year and then maybe an option, because I think Leonard's waiting on what the Clippers are going to do. The Clippers do not have a, a next-level star on their roster. They have really good players, but if Kawhi goes to the Clippers, he's going to be the man. And then he's got to drag the Clippers up the threshold of the, uh, of the Western Conference. He's got to go through all those great teams that have come together in the Western Conference. They've gotten even stronger, some of those Western Conference teams now, uh, here this offseason. So the Lakers are the other option. If he goes to the Lakers, he's not the man. And LeBron James and, and Anthony Davis is there, and Kawhi could fit in perfectly, and that Lakers team could really do some damage. Just one little point. If Kawhi Leonard goes to Toronto and the Lakers don't get Kawhi, this will be even tougher for LeBron to even win another championship. I'm thinking that if Leonard's there, he can win another championship. If he does not come, then that means here comes the scraps that are left over in free agency, and that means the Lakers will be a playoff team, but not a championship team. So Kawhi Leonard holds all the cards in free agency in the Western and Eastern Conference. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting. Some thoughts from Adrian Wojnarowski. He's been all over the story, who covers the NBA for ESPN and ESPN.com. He says teams that are involved with Kawhi have no idea what's going on. The teams involved in this have absolutely no idea, and they are absolutely certain None. we have even less. Really? And, and so, uh, listen, Toronto's the one team that has a relationship with him, right. and they built it over a year, which is not easy to do. It took the Spurs years to have that. Earning he was trust, a, right? Earning, earning trust. And trust is so, that's the one common thread that I think all the teams understand. The Spurs understood it, and when that trust wasn't there anymore, he was gone. They weren't getting it back. Masai Ujiri did a remarkable job in Toronto of building that trust, not just with the relationship, but also how they proceeded. We're going to take care of you medically. We're going to give, you know, the, the, the work they did with him, how they used him, the pieces they put around him. They bring in Marcus Salt the trade deadline. Sure. They, win a cha- they told him on the first day he showed up there, we traded for you because you gave us a chance to win a championship. None of us have done it. You've done it. Help us get there. And they did. And it happened. 
So uh, Adrian Wojnarowski saying like because it's a very small circle with uh, Kawhi Leonard, nobody knows where he's going. But I think it's narrowed down to those three teams. I can't imagine anything else without those three teams, and I kind of think it's Toronto. And guess what? Jalen Rose on Get Up also feels that it's a good possibility that Kawhi Leonard, who holds all the keys to an Eastern Conference crown or Western Conference crown, will sign with Toronto. As you just saw, Kawhi Leonard is in Toronto. What I'm 99% hearing is that Kawhi Leonard will be returning to Toronto and signing a two-year contract. Mm. Just completed his eighth season. That's going to put him at 10 years. That puts him in position to get the largest available maximum deal for a player of his tenure. And the wow. timing in all of this is extraordinarily significant. I think that's an important piece of this to make sure everyone is aware of, that that 10th year does increase the value of the Supermax he would then be eligible for. And so, again, this is what you're hearing from people close to the situation. And if you notice, I've never vacillated because these are the same people that I've been talking to the entire time. And when you hear the reports, especially when you do what we do, it's easy to kind of get off of your square. But I've been consistent. And if you know me, I like to measure twice and cut once. I just dropped the mic. Okay, mm. very good. So Jalen Rose on Get Up talking about Kawhi Leonard. So what is your go-to on a day like this, the 4th of July, when it comes to food? It's about family, it's about freedom, and it's about food on the 4th of July. What's your go-to when it comes to food? We talk about it next on Cap'n Company. As I combine all the juice from the mine, heal up, wheel up, bring it back, come rewind. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. You're listening to David Kaplan, weekdays 9 to noon on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Captain Company right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. Murph and Fred coming your way at the top of the hour right here on ESPN 1000. The ESPN app is there in for Carmen and Yurko, just like I'm in for Cap. Hope that you're going to have a great 4th of July holiday. The Pirates go for the sweep against the Cubs. Um, the Cubs have lost four straight and seven of nine got pounded by a combined 23 to six in the first two games of the series. It looks like they were going to break out and then they just mentally fell apart. I thought late in the game yesterday and lost a heartbreaker six to five. So they're going to look to salvage the series here against the, um, fly the jolly Roger, um, today at three o'clock. So I look forward to seeing what the Cubs can do there. Can Quintana and the offense finally come through all at the same time? Jeez. And then the White Sox, they take on Detroit. A terrific doubleheader for the White Sox. That really that warmed the cockles uh, <laughs> yesterday with the Sox winning a doubleheader against uh, Detroit. We'll see what happens at 110 as the 41 and 42 Sox take on the Detroit Tigers. Um, it's, it is. Uh, I just look, root for interesting at this point in time on July 4th because now, 4th of July, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen with the Bears and Bourbon A. Just give me interesting. Just give me interesting into Bourbon A. So I went to Facebook, facebook.com, Jonathan Hood, and I asked a question to you about the 4th of July. What is your go-to meal, snack, or drink of choice on holidays like the 4th of July? And I'm looking at this list here, and overwhelmingly, Marcus Chapman says ribs. I see Charlotte Harris says Lemonheads. How about candy for the 4th of July? Um, Joe says beer and Jameson. Uh, Christy Robertson says uh, deviled eggs. I'm getting hungry. Uh, I'm always hungry. Uh, Dorinda says ribs, burgers. 
uh, grilled corn. I see uh, bacon wrapped stuffed peppers from Lee. Let's see what else we got here. CJ Taylor says brats and burgers, macaroni salad, and spaghetti. And John says Italian sausage and either potato or macaroni salad. It's interesting. Oh, coleslaw from Jason Richmond. All that stuff sounds good on the 4th of July. And someone, let me see. Oh, Danielle says baked beans is a must on the 4th of July. I'm all for all of that. If that's if that's available in someone's kitchen or someone's grill, I'm all for all of those things on a, a great day like the 4th of July. Um, a couple other things here before we go and talk about the Cubs and the White Sox. From the White Sox standpoint, what we saw from Dylan Cease, that was a positive in the right direction because here's what I did not expect. I did not expect Lucas Giolito to be an all-star. Also didn't expect James McCann can, yes, he can, can be able to be this good as a catcher. You know who McCann was last year before he came to the White Sox? That was just a run-the-mill, you know, every other day catcher or player that you'd have out there. And now look what he's doing now for this White Sox team. It's pretty good. Well, we thank you for being part of the program here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. Our thanks to you for listening. Our thanks to Stacey King, to um, our guy Jim Ross, Jesse Rogers, and Bill Barnwell, show produced by Sean Davis on the other side of the glass. Murph and Fred in for Carmen Yurko coming up next to the top of the hour. For our entire crew, this is Jonathan Hood. Thanks for listening to Captain Company. And don't forget to check out the podcast, Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Download that podcast wherever you download your podcast. Look for my name, and that way you never miss an episode of our show weeknights at 7 right here on ESPN 1000. Have a happy 4th of July. Talk to you soon. Jonathan Hood. I'm so hood. On ESPN 1000.